Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the SJ Chronicles. Today is Monday the 18th of September 2017. I hope your week has got off to a good start. I had a day um, at home actually kind of doing computer work. Um, first half of the day was spent largely around the Ralph site, which is my non-profit pet bereavement site. Just trying to catch up with a few bits and pieces to do with that. Um, and the rest of the day was kind of split between some work for the referral center, but also um, just catching up on various emails. I mentioned on Friday that I'd released um, another emergency and critical care podcast. And I had a few emails about that uh, to reply to. Um, also random stuff, like I received an email from a vet student in Italy who had attended a lecture I'd given in Belgium early this year. And she was basically just asking for career advice. Um, again, there's a lot you can say about that, but I tried to give her a comprehensive response. Um, and yeah, various other, various other bits and pieces. Tomorrow's another sort of similar day, although we've got some specific tasks around the referral center that I need to take care of tomorrow. But then from Wednesday onwards, the week gets a little bit different. Um, with meetings and so forth. I wanted to talk about a couple of things in today's episode, um, really that stemmed from experiences that I had yesterday. Um, the first is to do with entrepreneurship and the second is to do with the veterinary sector in the United Kingdom at the moment. So I'm going to pop back after the interlude and chat a little bit about the current state of entrepreneurship. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is not a new thing, obviously. <laughs> it's been around for a very long time. Um, people have, you know, had ideas that they've executed on to solve problems, to improve on services and products, etc. that they're aware of that they think they could do better at, and so on. Um, in fact, you know, there's some argument that for a long time entrepreneurship was was the norm. And, um, you know, most people had their own businesses rather than working for other people, or at least that's what the aspiration was. Um, but I think it's probably fair to say that largely, or at least partly, spurred on by the whole technology, um, developments in technology in recent times, that um, you know, entrepreneurship has sort of probably accelerated, at least around technology startups, digital businesses online, and so forth. Um, you may or may not be aware that there was a technology bubble that burst some time ago, and there's some real concern amongst people that know about these things that we might be in the midst of another type of technology bubble when it comes to tech startups. Um, Essentially, the idea is that businesses were at least being valued at ridiculous prices, lots of venture capital and private equity money being invested in, you know, very, very early stage ideas that hadn't yet been developed out, hadn't yet showed that, you know, they had traction amongst the customers, um, were definitely not profitable businesses. Um, and so people were building these businesses on the back of lots of private investment money and then 
course, some of them, you know, would go bust, um, and every so often one will succeed. Um, and there is some concern about, you know, other people that are starting those businesses, are they actually building a business? Or is it kind of some, well, maybe partly vanity, partly just it's a cool thing to do to, you know, try and have a startup, take some investment, see how it goes, doesn't work out well, you know, someone else's money. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's it may be considered a little bit old-fashioned, but I think it's also very true to say that, you know, obviously my situation at the referral sense is a little bit different because the nature of the business, um, we need to raise a certain level of investment to actually get it off the ground at all. But, um, you know, I think in, in, in other respects, there is definitely something to be said for the idea that um, you should bootstrap a business and try and essentially fund it as well as you can from the profits you make. And, you know, as soon as possible, get your business into a profitable state where it becomes a sustainable, a sustainable, survivable business, um, irrespective of, or at least to some extent, irrespective of, you know, market economic downturns and so on. Um, anyway, that's all a bit of a prelude to a situation that I'm aware of, um, and I'm not going to talk about it in any sort of detail because it's would be a breach of somebody else's confidentiality. Um, but basically somebody that has been working on it for a while on a startup that, you know, has had a couple of rounds of investment so far, are looking for another round of investment and has yet, you know, have not reached anything close to profitability. So in this kind of situation where they need more money for the business to keep going and to expand, but they're not yet anywhere close to being a profitable business. Um, so that's kind of one half of the story was just in some ways the ridiculousness of that scenario that is just so very common in tech startups. Um, although in recent times there has been a bit of a change away from that as far as I understand it with people now looking for businesses that are more established and with more of a track record and more traction as they call it before they're willing to make those investments. But the um, the other part of this story that relates to the specific scenario I'm aware of is um, is something else around entrepreneurship that I'm going to pick up on in the next part of this uh, episode. So I'll catch you in a mo. So the other thing around entrepreneurship that I wanted to talk about was, um, you know, I've said before in many episodes, we've talked a lot about the amount of hard work that's required, the commitment, the resilience, the tenacity the daily grind um, and all of that. And I've also talked before about the impact on your relationships um, with friends, family, and in particular, the person that you live with, um, whether you're married or not. But, um, you know, and that, the toll that entrepreneurship can take on people. Um, and, you know, again, I this is sort of secondhand information from the things that I that I hear of or, you know, read. But um, there is certainly some evidence to suggest that you know, a fair number of entrepreneurs um, commit suicide, end up depressed uh, on medications and so forth, partly because of or because of the toll that it can take on you and. Um, 
the stress that some people feel during the journey. And you know that this is a little bit of an unspoken thing. And so a lot of the stuff that you'll see online will make it sound like entrepreneurship is very sexy and you have your own business and you get your freedom and you're wealthy and all this kind of stuff. Um, but not necessarily disclosing the, um, what is really involved in achieving that and, you know, the toll it can take on you. And, um, you know, I'm aware of, um, well, a situation that I'm quite close to where, you know, entrepreneurship may be about to take a huge toll on a couple of people in terms of, um, you know, their relationship with one another. And it's really difficult to find, you know, an obvious solution given their current circumstances. I'm not going to go into that in detail. But a lot of this takes me back to, you know, what I've said before about this ability to be detached from what you are doing and to try and be in the now and to experience the journey and not be attached to the outcome. Because some people would say, well, you know, if you work so hard and you're trying to achieve your your dream and avert commas and this is what you're working towards, then, you know, giving it up because it, you can't balance it with other things, um, relationships, friends, family, children, if you have them and so on, you know, that giving that up is so difficult to do, etc. Whereas, of course, I'm always trying to say to people that, you know, you need to learn how to not be attached to the outcome um, and just be in the journey. And so insofar as you can achieve that state, it should essentially not matter to you if you have to give up your entrepreneurial journey or give up that particular journey and look to do something else. That doesn't mean that you can't pursue an entrepreneurial journey. It just means that particularly this particular idea, if it's taking too much of a toll. Maybe you have to readjust your life and look for something else that you can be fulfilled around, but actually, you know, takes less of a price on you. Um, and I understand that sounds crazy in a way because, you know, you're saying, well, you've worked so hard for so long for something and Shane and you're saying, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't be attached to whether it happens or not. And people can find that really hard to believe that anybody can live in that sort of a state. But, um, you know, this whole business about being emotionally attached to, to things, to outcomes, um, you know, that's the thing that we need to try and get away from really and to try and just be in the moment, really recognize what's important, get our priorities clear, get our perspectives clear and, um, you know, then make some decisions that, um, that we're not going to regret going forward in the long run. Because if you think about it, especially in these kinds of businesses where people are just making, basically setting up a business to try and solve a problem, Often, sometimes it's because they want to serve other people, but often they're looking to exit their business and sell it for a profit and ultimately maybe even leave completely and no longer be associated with all that work. Now, for some people, that's some time down the line, but nonetheless, you know, if you, if you fast forward two decades or something, you think, well, the price it has uh, is taken or the toll it has taken on personal relationships and family and so on, um, that price, that, that's sort of irreversible in some ways, whereas that business, you know, you may have moved away from it anyway. Um, and I'm going to leave it at that, and I'm going to move on to the next segment, talk a little about the um, veterinary sector in the UK, so I'll catch you in a sec. Okay, so just to finish off, I wanted to talk a little bit about the veterinary sector in the UK. 
I've mentioned in previous episodes about how um, the UK veterinary sector is currently in the midst of a bit of a wave of corporatization and lots of independent practices, um, or at least some independent practices seem to be selling to corporate businesses. Um, so yesterday I had a conversation with somebody who came to England uh, to work as a vet, I think about three years ago, and after two, two and a half years of working in one job, um, she's now started locuming, and she said that the main reason that she did that, um, well, yeah, I think the main reason that she did that was because she found herself working extremely hard, extremely long hours in a practice, often without warning, um, in a practice that she had no personal investment in, by which I mean she didn't own it, she wasn't a partner in it, a director in it, and so on. She was on essentially a wage and expected to kind of regularly work, you know, go above and beyond. Um, and I guess she just felt that she just couldn't be doing that anymore. And so she wanted the freedom of being a locum. And so she started locuming. And, you know, for her, it seems that the freedom aspect was clearly a big motivator for that, to know that she can choose when she works, um, you know, accept the jobs that she wants as much as she can, have that choice take the time off when she wants, that she can afford to do that, and so on. Um, but I also noticed last week I saw something, in, in I can't remember exactly where it was, but somewhere in the veterinary press in the UK where there was um, a mention about how it seems to be that there is an increasing demand for locums, um, which I guess I you know extrapolate from that means that there's an increasing shortage of people who want to stay in permanent positions. Um, and, you know, the question as to why that might be, and it's a really interesting time with the sector at the moment, because there is this whole change between, with the corporatization thing, new generations of graduate vets are coming through vet school and graduating into a sector that now has corporates. The old model where people would have independent practices that were part of a local community, where the people that set up the practice would stay for a long time and then somebody else would succeed them and they would stay for a long time and it would be like a local community practice and yes people typically did work long hours and that bit of it we can debate um, but you know the kind of community aspect of it so some of that is changing to some extent now and so I'm not sure how many people are coming through graduation you know expecting or wanting to be part of a practice and to stay there for you know a, an extended period of time and to buy into the practice and all of that stuff. Um, I think that's an interesting time. <clears throat> it seems like more people are perhaps choosing to locum than maybe did before because you know they're not happy with life as a, in a permanent position. The hours, the stress, um, the emotional toll that it can take on you and essentially often the not great pay so you know you can see the appeal for saying well i'll have some more freedom i'll earn as well if not better i'll earn money under my own terms um of course it's not necessarily brilliantly helpful if you're trying to be rooted in a community or you don't particularly want to be moving around much but then depending where you live you can get access to all kinds of opportunities um but it, it all kind of makes me you know makes us wonder about what's going to happen to the veterinary sector in the UK in the years to come and how all of this is going to play out. Um, 
it kind of reinforces my belief that, you know, if one sets up an independent veterinary practice, it's based on the right core values and the right culture, has the right attitude to all your different community members, um, that actually you would attract people that wanted to be with you and to stay with you for an extended period of time and become part of the practice and the family, as it were. Um, but that you need to create the right environment for that. And I, I don't think that people have truly intrinsically changed in what they want. I think it's just maybe the kind of effects of the nature of the way in which some of the sector's going is that, you know, they, it's kind of almost a defense mechanism, if you like, that it's easier to do the independent, um, the sort of the locoming freedom type of route because it cannot find somewhere you're happy to be for the long term. Anyway, I hope some of that made sense. I will catch you again tomorrow. So in the meantime, take chances, be compassionate, live in a beautiful state, have an open heart and an open mind. P.S. One last thing. I saw a quote earlier today that I wanted to mention. Uh, the person that had posted it had said the comment, get shit done. Um, and the quote said, don't be a warehouse, be a factory. Um, which I thought was pretty cool because it's something I mentioned sometimes in these episodes about do, 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 execute, go forward, keep going forward, have ideas, but execute on them. So have the vision, but you need the execution. Get shit done. Cheers. Bye.